Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! It normally. High fly ball, deep left field. Oh, 27. Does it again. For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field. And it's gone. He went to Jared. Way This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Garcia. So first off, I hope you guys have had an opportunity to listen to the previous episode I put out Sunday morning with Bill Shaken from the LA Times talking about everything going on with Angel Stadium, the buying and selling of the land, what's going on with the city, the mayor, all that stuff. So if you haven't checked it out, it was it's the episode before this one. I highly recommend checking it out because there is a lot of information in there about what's going on with the stadium. If they're going to get a new stadium, when that will be, are they going to move? Are they not going to move? Like we answer a lot of those questions or we try to at least answer a lot of those questions in that podcast. So definitely check it out. Definitely uh, download and give that one a listen. It's a little quicker of an episode. I think it's just around 30 minutes long. So now let's move forward to this weekend's games. Obviously coming off the sweep against the Texas Rangers in Texas isn't what the Angels wanted to do uh, last week. But they are now home. They are now taking on the last place Oakland A's. So if there was any team to try to get back in the swing of things, this is definitely the team to do it. So on Friday, you had Chase Silseth coming back out on the mound at Angel Stadium for his second career start in the big leagues. And if you remember correctly, his first outing against the same Oakland A's went really well. Um, you <laughs> you had you couldn't really find a weakness in the spot going six innings, giving up one hit that ultimately led to a win against Oakland. So obviously coming off of that sweep, a lot of people were hoping for the same type of thing on Friday night. But unfortunately, with the third batter of the night, Jed Lowry puts the A's up early with his second home run of the year, making it 1-0. 
the Angels would end up tying it at one in the bottom of the first when Anthony Rendon would single in uh, Shohei Otani off of Paul Blackburn, who, like I mentioned in the last podcast where we kind of previewed this game or two podcasts ago, actually now, Paul Blackburn has been the main pitcher that the you know top of the rotation pitcher for the A's, um, even though Frankie Montas is still there, but performance-wise, he has definitely been the top guy in that rotation. And in the bottom of the third, Mike Trout continue his MVP type season with a double that ends up scoring Taylor Ward, making the score 2-0. You know, and actually Chase Silseth, getting back to him a little bit, had an actually really, really good game. He didn't get out of the fifth inning this time, and that's mostly because in the top of the fifth, Seth Brown would hit a two-run home run to give the Oakland lead 3-2, to two, and that would be it for Silseth. But again, his second outing, and I honestly do wonder if this outing against the same team who's seen him before, who now can remember what pitches did what and all that stuff, if that was an advantage or disadvantage for him. If he was facing like Seattle or the Rangers or someone else, I wonder if the results would be any different. But still, Seth still went four and a third innings, giving up six hits, three runs, six strikeouts, two walks, and two home runs. So definitely a guy that I believe you will see more of in the rotation. Has he necessarily locked down that sixth spot in the rotation? I'm not 100% sure on that. But I do feel confident that he will be one of those guys in the mix with Jose Suarez, with uh, Jonathan Diaz, with, you know, obviously more and more guys are going to be developing throughout the year and you could possibly see him. So we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. But he definitely had a good second outing. Didn't get the results he was hoping for if you compare it to the first one. But considering it's the second outing in his career, I think he did very well for the Angels. So like I mentioned, after the fifth inning, Oakland would take this, take the lead 3-2 to two and they would not look back. They would actually end up adding one more in the top of the six off of Kyle Bearclaw. It was a sack fly and made the score 4-2. to two. And the biggest story I felt as far as when you looked at Twitter around, um, go around Twitter at the end of this game was the strikeouts, was the Angels strikeouts, the Angels lack of swinging the bat, especially um, during this game. You look at the stats, you see strikeouts racking up 13 of them in one game, three coming from Otani, three coming from Walsh, and two coming from Trout. So you are having the your main guys, the guys who you're looking for to um, produce offensively, striking out more than once in this game. Uh, it's definitely not a way you want to win the game. But like I, I, I posted this on Twitter shortly after the game when I saw there was a bunch of talk about uh, – the Angels striking out loud. And granted, they do. I'm not saying they don't or it's a figment of people's imag- imagination because you look at the stats and, you know, numbers don't lie. And they definitely are have been striking out quite a bit. But after the game, if you looked online and looked at the Major League stats, yes, the Angels were striking out the most in Major League Baseball. But they also at the time had the ninth 
highest average. Again, this is major league, not just American league. This is the whole, the whole league. Second in home runs with 55. Third in on, on base plus slugging with 740, 740. And second in hits with 335. So it's kind of, I don't necessarily know if them being picky with with pitches they swing at. Yes, I can see how that can lead to striking out more, but I don't know necessarily that also might lead to their offensive production as far as, you know, they are waiting for mistakes and it does seem like the mistakes are coming and they're taking advantage of it. But if you face a good pitching staff or a good pitcher that doesn't make a ton of mistakes, then yeah, I can see how the strikeout numbers could be up. So I don't know how to read into those strikeout numbers. If you look at the offense as a whole, not just the strikeout numbers, but like I mentioned, on-base plus slugging, hits, home runs, it's still a very good offense. And I don't necessarily know what the correlation is. You know, yes, traditionally strikeout teams, teams that strike out the most are uh, the teams that do the worst. But in the age of everyone striking out and teams not really caring if you strike out, I don't necessarily know if it's the worst thing in the world to strike out the most in Major League Baseball if you're continually putting up these power numbers that the Angels are. So I personally would not worry too much about these strikeout numbers as long as the other numbers continue to hold stead where they're at as far as, you know, top third in Major League Baseball. So I know that was a big conversation going into coming out of the Friday game was how much they're striking out. And yes. They are striking out a lot. And yes, that is frustrating for fans, especially when you have runners in scoring position. But at the same time, and we talked about this, uh, I don't know, probably a handful of podcasts ago, but there is always an opportunity when the ball's put in play for something to go right. And there's always an opportunity for when the ball's put in play to go wrong, especially when there's someone on base, mostly a double play. So I don't know how many of those strikeouts happen with someone on first base but if they did i guess sometimes you have to think the alternative is you make weak contact on a pitch that you know you can't do anything with and now it turns into two so that's kind of where i'm at with the whole strikeout situation yes the number's huge and yes it is frustrating to see it play out in front of you as a fan on tv or in person but when you look at the picture as a whole the offense doesn't seem to be struggling at all because of it and you know, at times I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities where that can turn into a double play that will ultimately hurt the team even more than just a single strikeout. But Angels end up dropping this game four to two. And another big factor in this game, or, or um, not factor, but something that happened in this game was Taylor Ward going back to make a great catch at the wall and absolutely, absolutely running head first into the wall. If you watch the play play out on TV, he hit that wall very hard. And if you've ever been out in an outfield wall, major league, minor league, any, you know, any any field that's that's at that level, those pads are there, but they don't do a whole lot to slow someone down who's going full speed or close to full speed to catch a ball like Taylor Ward was doing. There was a chances like when the Angels would do the 5K, a lot of times they would have you run on the outside of the of the field. You go into the stadium and you run the outside of the field sometimes. And just running that and stopping for like a second and kind of leaning into those walls just to kind of see how much gives on there. 
there's not a lot at all. There's not. So he ended up getting hit, and this is late in the game. This was, I believe, in the seventh or eighth inning. And you can see, too, his hat that he hit all bent up. It, it, it took a, a big brunt of that of that full steam ahead into the wall. But he'd be taken out of the game, and he would not be a factor the rest of this series. So obviously a huge, huge part of the Angels' offense out for the rest of the series. So not only did you get a loss on the scoreboard, but now you're, you're might possibly your best offensive player so far this season is out and not sure for how long. So at this point, Angels have dropped four in a row, and I think a lot of people were jumping ship or at least just thinking to themselves, oh, the same old Angels will end up being 500 in no time or we'll be below 500 in no time, and it's just going to be play out the same way as it always has. But I, like I mentioned before, after the sweep, I truly believe the Angels were on an unreasonable, realistic pace of winning. I think at, at the height, they were on pace to win 106 games, and that's not who this team is. This team is good, but I it would be hard for me for, for me to find anyone out there that, before the season started, thought this team was going to win 106 or 105 games. So Angels still are able to produce offensively coming into this series and sometimes it just takes a little bit to to get going so with that let's go to Saturday night's game this game again against Oakland for the second time in in a week Michael Lorenzen starts on Saturday night against the A's and remember last time it was up out in Oakland on a doubleheader but Lorenzen gets the start in this game and Scoring would take a little bit to come about in this game. The first scoring opportunity the Angels took advantage of was when Renhifo hits his first home run of the year to give the Angels a 1-0 lead. That one's hit to left field, hit well. Going back on it is Barrera. And Luis Renhifo puts the Angels on the board. And it would stay that way all the way to the bottom of the six where Brandon Marsh walks with the bases loaded to score Shohei Otani to make the score 2-0. At this point, you're trying to take runs wherever you can. So very good job with for Brandon not to try to force something. Let it come to you. Ends up getting walked. Ends up getting that RBI. Ends up putting the score up 2-0. The very next batter would be Luis Renjifo, and he would score Mike Trout, on this chopper to the pitcher. Oh, that's a chopper. That's going to be a run. Play. Run number 1,000 for Mike Trout. RBI for Renjifo. So Luis taking advantage of players out of position. But not only that, you heard it in the clip. Mike Trout's 1,000th run scored. With the or in his career, but obviously all of them with the Angels, the only the second Angel I believe to ever do that. So, again, it just seems like every time we're talking about Otani, you know, history is being made, and now we're getting to the point of Trout's career, great career with the Angels. That that something like this happens. We had you know a couple weeks ago the most home runs at Angel Stadium. Obviously, what was it, last year, a couple years, last year, I believe, where he passed Tim Salmon for the all-time home run leader as an angel. It just seems like 
every time Mike Trout does something crazy, it, it's a new record for the Angels. So a lot of history going on right now with Shohei and Mike Trout, and it's really, really cool to um, to see. So Michael Lorenzen really, really had it working. There was uh, there were chances where he was getting into trouble, but he was getting out of it. And I think that's the biggest difference. And I believe I said this numerous times on the podcast. That seems like the biggest difference between this team and other teams in the past is that when they get into trouble, they are able to get out of it now. Not necessarily making it super clean, you know, maybe get a run here and there, but they don't let it snowball to a five-run inning or anything like that. And that's exactly what Michael Lorenzen did. He got into a little bit of trouble, but he was able to get out of it. He ended up going six innings, giving up three hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. So ever since his, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this after the Detmers no-hitter, ever since uh, Michael Lorenzen had that great game out in Chicago, the next one was a dud. I don't necessarily know, like I mentioned, if he was tired or just because he's never done that as much as a guy who predominantly come, came out of the bullpen. But he had that one dud. But ever since then, he's been going lights out and the Angels have been taking full advantage of it. And the Angels would not be done scoring yet as Andrew Velasquez comes up with one on and does this. Driven left field. Andrew Velasquez gives that one a ride. Saddle up. That one's gone. His second home run of the year. Two run job. And that would be his second home run of the year. So after Michael Lorenzen was out, you had Tapera come in with a clean inning. And then Aaron Loop came in and ran into some trouble. He ended up going two thirds of an inning, three hits, three runs. One walk. So obviously what that very comfortable lead was after the Velasquez home run 5-0 quickly turned into a really tight game. Now 5-3. And it just seems like the bullpen arms I'm not really worried about. It just seems like they're all kind of going up and down at their own time. And it seems like they're all at the same time. I think Loop will work through it. I don't think it's a big deal. You remember Tapera, he had a, a rough outing before too. He seems to be working through it, worked through it. Iglesias had a very hard time, a uh, couple games, giving up walk-off home runs. He is now seems to be getting back to the Iglesias that we know and signed and loved last year because in this game, he comes in for the save and he goes one inning, two strikeouts on nine pitches efficient. And the Angels end up winning five to three snapping that four game losing streak and uh getting some momentum going into the sunday game and that's what they really needed to do you had great pitching performances by lorenzen you had iglesias being iglesias and the cool part was the primary offense in this game was from your two middle infielders and we've talked about this team and how their offense is kind of spread apart spread around with otani ward trout rendon walsh but the one that was kind of lacking was the middle infield. And it's cool to see those two guys, Velasquez and Renjifo, come in and be the main source of offense in this game, showing that every once in a while they will produce uh, big-time runs. They will be responsible for big-time runs. Velasquez, I said this before, I don't know how many times, he is a gold-glove caliber defensive player. 
you get any kind of offensive production from him, it is going to make a world of difference. And you're starting to see that now. The more and more he gets at bats, it seems like the more and more he gets comfortable. His average and his numbers are slowly starting to tick up. I think now he's, uh, I got to see how he was after the Sunday game. But at this point, his average was getting pretty close to that 200 mark. And granted, yes, 200 isn't what what your goal is but from when you when you were when you were down so far like he was you have to make little baby milestones first first is let's get to 200 then let's get to 215 then let's get to 230s but like i said i do believe his bat will come around he'll never be a primary offensive player like you see a correa or story or um, any of those guys that are have played shortstop at an offense and played at a very high offensive level but with his defense i believe he'll stay in this lineup and be really really important on the defensive side of the ball and every once in a while you'll get a game like this out of him and renifo we know him offensively he always seemed to be able to put it on or at least contribute is the defensive part that we always a little bit worry about but great to see the, the the contributions coming from those two guys in the middle infield. So with the split one and one, now the question is, can the Angels win on Sunday? So going into Sunday afternoon baseball, Angels have an opportunity to take the series against the Oakland Athletics at home. And remember, you can tie on the road, and I know getting swept isn't tying, but if you look at that whole road, uh, road series, uh, road trip they only dropped one game throughout the whole road trip so it's not terrible but now that you're home you gotta win at home and the first step of doing that is taking two or three from the Oakland Athletics so they had Patrick Sandoval on the mound once again on Sunday against the Oakland Athletics so again he's been a guy that when he is on when Patrick is on he is slowly becoming one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, one of the best pitchers on this staff for sure. It's just, it seems like when his his feel is there, he's unhittable. It's just you have to kind of watch him the first couple innings and see where he's at. And guess what? On this game Sunday, he had it. He had all of it, all his pitches, all his command, all the feel. He was dominant. But in the bottom of the first, he would get some breathing room with this Shoya Otani bomb. And he drives that one center field. That one and is hit well. Saddle up. Gone. Long gone for Otani. So with the score still 1-0 in the bottom of the first, after absolutely roping a double in the first inning, Mike Trout comes up and gets an RBI. Ground balls. That could have beat the shift. You got Mike Trout hustling. That's going to be an RBI single, infield single for Trout. Suzuki comes in to score after all 2-0 Angels. That'll make it 2-0. And obviously, you could take runs any way you can. And it showed in that last game where Brandon Marsh took a walk with the bases loaded to get an RBI. But on Sunday, he was able to get one the old-fashioned way. And guess what? Either way, it looks like a line drive in the scorebook. Maybe that's possible flair. It is. Mike Trout on the move. 1,001. RBI single for Marsh with two outs. Big add-on run, 3 nothing. The Angels keep pouring it on, and more specifically, Mike Trout keeps pouring it on with an incredible game capped off by this home run. Well, he saw something that he liked. Mike Trout staring that one down. It is gone! 
What a game for Trout! With that home run, home run, the Angels go up 4-0. And obviously, obviously, that is plenty for Patrick Sandoval on this day. He ended up going seven in a third innings, four hits, one earned run, one walk, seven strikeouts. Again, he was on. He could have very easily at one point. I thought at one point I really did think he was going to finish this game. There was a few innings in there where he only threw like nine, 10 or 11 pitches. Like he was at a very manageable pitch count. And he still technically was, I think, for this game, especially with a day off the next day. He would, he did all this on 92 pitches. So I really did think he was going to get out of the eighth, but Madden decided with one out to go to Tapera, which if you look at the last game, he had a really good last game, really quick inning too, which I think was part of it. And remember, Angels are off Monday when you're listening to this. So I'm sure a lot of that had to do had to do with his next two bullpen selections and the first one obviously to para and he would have a great inning going out of that rest of the inning game those two outs on two strikeouts I think remember this bullpen is going to drive this team this bullpen is it's what's going to keep this team in contention and honestly probably put them you know deep into the playoffs it's everyone's healthy especially once Archie Bradley uh, Austin Warren and some of these other guys that are in the minor leagues getting back uh, develop and are able to contribute. This bullpen is going to be really, really good. And for the ninth, the top of the ninth, Rossell Iglesias comes in and obviously shuts it down, going for the full inning. Zeros across the board except for three strikeouts. And this outing by him against the Athletics, he looked probably the most dominant he's looked all season long. And probably, honestly, the last couple seasons long with the Angels. And I wonder in the back of my head if – that walk off home run by the athletics, you know, when they were in Oakland was in the back of his mind. The last two outings, the one on Saturday night and the one on Sunday, because he looked great on those two outings, almost like he has something to prove not only to maybe himself, but to the athletics saying, no, that was lucky. No, you're not going to be able to get that kind of a home run off of me again for the rest of the year. So comes in, he locks down the last two games of the series, Saturday and Sunday Angels end up winning four to one, and they win the series th- uh, two to one. Over the three-game series, the Athletics were very are were held to very minimal uh, offense scoring. What six total runs for the three games? So that showed the pitching was on point. This series, offense ended up scoring uh, what is it? Thirteen runs total over three games. Again, offense will be coming around. Offense is still is to me something that's going to be coming, you know, hit or miss or coming and going as as you were. But this series, they really showed up and they really showed out, and this brings into a whole bunch of momentum. Hopefully, going in to the day off on Monday. Hopefully, they don't lose it, and then into a quick two game series against the Texas Rangers in Anaheim. And if they win those two games, they should win those two games. You're going to have a, a good amount of momentum going into the very difficult Toronto Blue Jays. So we'll talk a little bit about the series coming up, and we're going to talk a little bit about some rehabs that happened this last weekend at Illinois Empire 66. So hold on. We'll be right back after this. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live 
audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So something Saturday night was pretty cool. Me and Chris went down to Inland Empire 66ers. If you follow us on our social media page, you saw we were in the dugout with the 66ers pregame and during the game. Got some very good uh, video of some celebrations, some pregame. All that stuff is on our social media stuff, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. It is still there. Uh, a couple videos actually blew up a lot more than I thought they were when I posted, especially on Twitter. But it was just a fun time down there. Main reason why Chris and I went down there, you had three guys rehabbing at once uh, from the Angels. We've been there a couple of times where there's one guy, maybe two, but it's the first time that I can remember where there was three separate guys rehabbing at Inland Empire 66ers for the Angels. Obviously, you had uh, Max Stassi, who is on his way back from COVID. Same thing with Kurt Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, I didn't mention, got activated for the Saturday-Sunday game playing Sunday. He felt like he didn't need a rehab stint or a rehab assignment, so he pretty much got right back into the motion, and he actually did pretty well on Sunday's game for sure. Almost getting a home run, got robbed by um, Christian Pache, the center fielder for the Oakland Athletics. But Max Dassey was there, Archie Bradley was there, and Jose Quijada was there. So normally what I thought going into this game and in my past experiences with rehabs, especially uh, relievers, even starting pitchers too, they tend to try to get in early in the game, get their work in, get out before the crowds get too crazy or any of that stuff. There's been times where... Even if the reliever wants to get used to working out of a bullpen, he will go down to the bullpen, start warming up, let's say, in the second or third inning, make an appearance in the third inning, and then be gone by the fifth. This time was a little bit different. It was actually really, really cool. We saw both pitchers and and Stassi warm up with the team, stretch with the team, play catch with the team pregame. And then when the game happened, you had Max Stassi play the whole game, catch the whole game, which is the first time I've seen a position player uh, play the whole game with the Inland Empire 66ers. Uh, Stassi ended up going two for four with a double and a monster home run that capped uh, a 3-0 victory for the Inland Empire 66ers. He looked good. He did well behind the plate. No one tried to steal a base on him, so uh, I'm guessing that's because they know who he is. And Archie Bradley came up first in the seventh inning. So these guys hung around the whole game, which I thought was really, really interesting and really cool. You know, they weren't just trying to get in and get out. They were actually, you know, talking with the guys, um, especially after they were done celebrating with the guys. But Archie Bradley comes into the dugout around the fifth inning, hangs out, talks with the guys, walks to the bullpen, starts getting ready, gets to the top of the fifth inning. One, two, three, puts in absolute work. He looks really good coming out. He, um, Archie Bradley ended up topping out at 95 miles per hour. He threw 10 pitches. Seven of them were striked with a strikeout. So Jose would end up coming up in the next inning in the top of the eighth, and he had very good results as well. He topped out at 92, throwing 11 pitches, eight of them strikes, and two strikeouts. So, and all the other, and 
other than that, both those guys, all they did was produce weak ground balls for the other outs. It wasn't like anyone squared up anything good on them. And when they're playing at the level they are now with as far as with the low A affiliate and low A batters, that's exactly what you expect. Come in and just be dominant. Be, you know, big league players. And that's exactly what they did. They looked great. Uh, we'll see how much longer they will be there. They talked about possibly, well, Sassy played today, Sunday. He DH'd, uh, just DH, didn't catch for the team. But the guys, the pitchers were talking about maybe one or two more outings. So I don't know if that means they're going to travel with the 66ers on Tuesday, their next game, to uh, Lake Elsinore. Or maybe after today, after Sunday, after Monday, they feel like they're good and they don't need another um, rehab start. So that's something to be interesting to kind of look at for the next week or the front part of the week when they're going to be making another rehab start, if they're going to make it another rehab start and how quickly can they be activated after that? I believe once they are ready to go, they probably will be activated not too far after that. Stassi, I think will probably be activated on Tuesday. If I had my guess, cause he looked like he was ready to go. He did very, very well when we saw him on Saturday. Cool moment. Again, we put it on our Twitter and our Instagram. Stassi hitting a home run. The guys all jumping around, having a good time. No cowboy hat, but Inland Empire definitely knows how to celebrate a home run. Another really cool part I saw for um, for the game, it was actually post-game, after the game. Like I mentioned, all these guys hung around with the young guys, talked to them. Um, you know, pitchers were talking pitches and and kind of almost like mindset a little bit. But after the game in the locker room, when I was walking by the locker room, leaving you can hear max and archie kind of take take the reins and address the whole team as a whole and giving them you know like it was motivational it was you know hey the big leagues isn't much different than this just have fun continue listening to your coaches develop like it was really cool to kind of overhear that conversation they were having with the players um, they ended up giving Max Stassi the player of the game award, and they seemed to have a really good kick out of it. The, the Angel players did with that. They, you know, they paid for dinner that night for the 66ers. It was just a really cool vibe that night. And even too, when uh, Max Stassi hit a home run earlier in the game, Deshaun Knowles hit a home run to, to break the tie. Uh, you know, Archie Bradley stood out to me because I can hear him. And he was all about it. He was psyched too. I mean, these guys were all involved in the game. You think they wouldn't be involved. It doesn't matter to them whether they win or lose. It, you know, it doesn't go on their record at all. But they were actually involved and they were actually having a good time to a point. They were out in the in the high five line after the game, for after the win. And that just showed how cool and, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the mindset of this locker room, how this locker room has changed for the Angels. Hopefully, stuff like this where these guys go down to the minor leagues can start that mindset down there and it can grow through the system and grow through uh, all the levels of the minor leagues to when they are at the major league level, they are able to contribute and already have that mindset. So that was really cool. And again, shout out to the 66ers for letting us uh, tag along and hang out in the dugout and actually see all that stuff firsthand. It was really, really cool to even talk to some of the guys really quickly, you know, just how you feeling, how you doing and, just small stuff like that. It was awesome. Really, it was it was awesome, and, and we'll definitely 
hopefully they bring out more guys to Alien Empire to rehab like they were doing like in 2018, 2019. If that's the fact, then we will be there. We will try to get more and more interviews. This time was a little bit different because they actually stayed the whole game, so it was hard to get to talk to them after. But hopefully as the season continues and if more guys rehab there, we will be able to talk to players as they uh, do the work and work on the way back work on getting their way back to the angels. So let's talk about this quick two game set against the Texas Rangers starting off May 24th. Both games are going to be at 638 as normal home games are. And on the mound on the very first game on Tuesday is going to be Noah Syndergaard against Dane Dunning. And if you remember last time Noah Syndergaard faced these Texas Rangers, he was unable to get out of the first inning. So I don't know about you guys, but I do feel like Noah's the type of guy to remember that kind of thing. And especially when it was it's only like a week later to maybe hold a grudge-ish, grudge kind of thing. And I expect him to come out and absolutely dominate this game. My biggest worry with that is like we do with all the pitchers when they are super hyped, super excited coming off a big victory or anything like that is Hopefully, they're able to control their emotions and not grip the ball too tight, throw too hard, and get out of their rhythm. I, I truly believe if he's in his rhythm and he knows what he's doing and he can feel it, this game is going to be a quick one because he'll be able to pound the strike zone, get outs, get ground balls, get weak fly balls, maybe throw five strikeouts up there. But when Noah Syndergaard is on, at least this year, it's because he's been putting the ball in play. His defense has been picking him up. And he's been able to just let his defense do the work. He's not trying to strike out 12 or whatever. It's let my defense do the work and it'll all play out. So that's going to be on Tuesday's game. On Wednesday's night game, it's going to be Reed Detmers against Glenn Otto. And again, Detmers had the rough start after the no hitter, which I expected, which I thought it's just there's so much going into your mindset after the no-hitter. He even said after his game last week that he's glad that that's over, glad that he's able now to move on with all the eyes and pressure and everything following a no-hitter, the Pitcher of the Week award and all that stuff. It's great to get that. It's great to get that uh, recognition and all that great stuff that comes with throwing a no-hitter. But I do expect him to have a very good outing, a bounce-back outing in this game against Texas. Again, two big bats that I really would watch out for, Corey Seager, uh, Simeon, even though Simeon's not doing, still not doing great, but I still feel like he's the type of guy that can break a game open really quick. And you know about Corey Seager. He is a all-the-time watch-out-for-this-guy's bat. So, We'll see how this plays out. They have it again. That's a two quick game series against the Texas Rangers home in Anaheim before the Angels take on the Toronto Blue Jays for a four game set. And that should be a really good test. And not only that, they go then fly to New York to face New York for three and Philadelphia for three. That is going to be a very, very good test for the Angels. The Yankees are red hot. Let's see how this team does against very good teams uh, in other divisions. And, you know, the AOS has always kind of gave the Angels difficulties in years past, but it just seems like this year they're going to be able to kind of tidy that up. Can they continue playing good teams well? 
um, in other divisions and other leagues and stuff like that. So one one more item I saw this, and this is from Sam Blum of obviously The Athletic, and this kind of sh- shows that the Angels have had really hard times with the AL West, and hopefully things are turning around. Last year, the Angels were 4-15 and 15 against the A's. So far this year alone, they are 5-2. and two. So hopefully that's a sign of things that come as far as the Angels playing teams in the AL West because if they can get, take care of their own, you know, quote-unquote backyard, a lot of good things will happen this season. So a little update real quick before I let you guys go. New York series, big series. I will be there in person. We are flying out. Me and my wife are flying out the 29th of May, that Sunday. So we will not be um, doing a podcast that night. But hopefully I will have something recorded from Saturday that will come out in a regular spot uh, next week. But I'll talk a little bit more about that during the week, during the uh, between the Texas and the Toronto series. But the New York series, uh, you're going to want to follow us on our social media stuff. I'll be posting a lot more stuff there than probably like on a p- podcast just because um, I'm not, uh, truthfully, I'm probably not going to take the equipment with me <laughs> to New York. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to post. I'm going to talk about it when I get back. But uh, you're definitely going to want to follow us on our social media feeds, Halo underscore Haven on that because I am very much looking forward to the New York trip. Hopefully going to get all three games in while we are in New York. Hopefully the weather cooperates. And if one of those games turns into a doubleheader, then I just might have to be at Angels or at Yankee Stadium all day. And I have no problems with that. So if you are a listener and you are headed to Yankee Stadium or you feel you're a listener, maybe you are you're in New York and listen and follow the Angels and are planning to go to the, uh, the games. Let me know. Hit me up. Let's meet up. If you're over 21, first beers on me. Okay, so if you are a Angel fan going to Yankee Stadium from California, making that trek like I am, or maybe just a uh, Northeastern Angel fan going to the game, let's meet up. Let's have a beer. Let's watch the Angels and the Yankees. If you remember the Yankee Angel series last year, a lot of drama, a lot of rain, hoping for the drama, not the rain, but we'll see how that goes. So, Again, so that week, that Memorial Day week is going to be a little bit different podcast scheduling wise, but this week should be pretty normal. So keep that in the back of your mind. We'll talk about it more. I'll talk about it more uh, during the week. And again, follow us on social media, Halo underscore Haven, getting a lot of positive feedback from you guys on there. Love hearing that either A, you just started listening to it and you enjoy it, or B, You've been listening for a while and you really like, you know, the last episode or I agree with you in the last episode. Or Honestly, too, even if you say, hey, I don't agree with this point, blah, blah, blah. I am perfectly fine with that. I'm just glad you're listening. So either way, it's good with me. Glad you're listening. Um, I haven't said this in a little while, but please help spread the word of the podcast. This is we do this all kind of um, by word of mouth. We don't we post stuff on social media, but we don't, you know, buy post we don't boost post or anything like that we you know it's out there it's out there it it solely does depend on you guys helping us spread the word to friends or family members that are angel fans so if you can go and if you're uh, an apple apple podcast user if you can rate and review the podcast and help us pop up on more people's phones that aren't subscribed to us that would be awesome and that would help us out a lot so if you're apple users go to the 
podcast page, there's a place if you scroll down, it, it asks for a rating and ask for a review. Five stars and write a review. Anything helps. And again, we're just trying to grow this podcast so fans can have a voice or fans can kind of hear other fans' um, feedback. And again, if you guys have feedback, you can always reach out. Always reach out. Our DMs are always open at Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram or our email, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. Always looking at how to make this thing better. We appreciate you guys, every single one. All the all the subscribers, all the all the listeners, old listeners, new listeners, everything um, coming up. I believe on episode three hundred is going to be our next episode. If I remember correctly, either the next episode or the one after that. But it's coming up quick. So three hundred is a big number, and we wouldn't do it without you guys and the support you give us. So thank you a ton. So so it's going to wrap up. I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.